Yeah, because it's all those little bits that make a whole. And I think, you know, we have to remember humans are hardwired to look for patterns. So if they are reading a headline that talks about them being an extraordinary leader of sales teams, and then you've got a photo of you wearing mirrored sunglasses with a carnation in your buttonhole, and then they're reading the about section and it's all in the third person. So you're talking about yourself like you're not yourself, like you're too important to connect with somebody directly and they need to connect with your secretary. It feels very disconnected. They're not going to feel warm. So it's about connecting all of those dots. So they are small details, but the small details create the feeling of the whole. Welcome to the Boss Podcast, the best of social selling. Your host, Mark McGinnis, Australia's number one social seller, author of Tactical Pipeline Growth and B2B Sales Trainer, brings you expert opinion, tactics, and discussion to help you get more out of your time on social. Welcome to the Boss Podcast. Karen Tisdell is probably Australia's leading LinkedIn profile specialist. Karen has been ranked one of the top LinkedIn trainers across APAC and has been included on many best of lists over the years. Karen is in high demand and highly successful. In this episode, Karen takes us deep into the various parts of our profile that whilst on the surface might look to be unimportant, actually have a really big impact on how we are perceived by others on the platform. When you ask someone for a meeting or for a conversation, Salesforce Research says that 83% of people view your profile as part of their research to decide whether to have that conversation with you or not. Your profile is the key to ensuring that you get that yes. There's no surprise that every single person we've had on the podcast has said it all starts with a great profile. So the question begs, what do we do and how do we do that? Karen takes us through the main components of a great profile step by step. This is a lovely explainer for those of you who need to build a profile or it's a good checklist for those of us who think we already have a great profile. I must admit to going back into my profile after listening to this episode and making a few changes myself. Before we jump into the chat with Karen, I need to say a thank you to all of those who continue to support the podcast. The listener base is growing and we're keen to get the message out. Please like and share these episodes to help others just like you to find us. And of course, a big thank you to each of you and to our corporate sponsor, Bonjoro. Now let's jump into this week's episode. Video messaging is huge right now. Mark reports his very best message response rates are coming from video messaging, and Mark chooses to use Bonjuro as his video message supplier. Because Bonjuro is now a supporter of the Boss Podcast, they have given listeners a massive 20% off any of their plans. Simply add Boss20 at the checkout. That's B-O-S-S-2-0. Give Bonjuro a go and increase your response rates by 300%. Go to Bonjuro.com. That's B-O-N-J-O-R-O.com.
Welcome to the Boss Podcast. Today we have Karen Tisdale. Thank you for joining us. Great to be here. Karen, you're ranked one of the top LinkedIn trainers across APAC. Congratulations. I know you've been on numerous top LinkedIn lists across the years. Uh, These lists are usually peer-driven, so it means you not only know what you're doing, but others who also know what they're doing respect what you do. I think that's important. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been quite a long journey. What is it, that quote? Um, Nine years of of hard work equals overnight success, something like that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And we've crossed paths from time to time. We've been in the same LinkedIn circles, if you like, for quite a few years. So it's nice to finally chat. And it's also nice to have another Australian on the podcast. So in the last few episodes, we've been all over the world, which has meant recording podcasts at crazy times of the morning and at night. So it's <laughs> nice to have a conversation at a comfortable <laughs> time of day. So thank you very much. Thank you. All right. So Karen, would you like to share a little bit about yourself? Give us some background and, and about what it is that you do in your organization for the listeners. Sure, absolutely. You know, what I really love about your podcast is that you deep dive into a lot of the things that I'm really interested in too, that primarily being around sales, people, marketing, as in the psychology of why people buy. And I'm, I also love writing, so I'm a LinkedIn profile writer. But my love for sales actually began many, many, many years ago as a telemarketer. So I used to work as a telemarketer in the early 1990s. It was one of my first jobs, selling World Book Encyclopedias. <laughs> literally <laughs> off yeah you remember that yeah. um, called advertising space for a newspaper do you remember newspapers mark yeah yes i, I, I yeah. do I, I yeah i think i'm going back to buying newspapers actually oh hey, interesting yeah so that yeah. was sort of my my early foray into sales and then i got into recruitment which is of course sales you know selling people yeah and i did recruitment for 14 years it was while I was in recruitment that I started using LinkedIn. I was an early adopter in 2005, mm-hmm. using LinkedIn to headhunt for people. And I realized then that how you show up professionally really impacts your success, your future success. So in 2009, in our last recession, in the GFC, um, I launched a business writing LinkedIn profiles. And then in about 2014, 2015, that became training as well. So I've got those two sort of tough sides. Um, and the training is really around the foundational stuff of have you got your profile correct? You know, it's amazing how many people are not even linked to the company that they work for and look company details, you know, contact details all over their profile, you know, are not talking about their customers' problems, that sort of stuff. So uh, those are the two sides of what I do. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting into those in a bit more detail. But what made you launch your business at, um, in 2009? What was 2008, 2009? What was with that? Well, actually, I was, uh, I was lucky. I went on um, maternity leave when the GFC just hit. And uh, my last conversation in the office was with one of the very senior managers who had come down and taken me into another room. And I thought, it's a bit, you know, serious, like we're only going on maternity leave. And she said, GFC's here. We are going to lay off 30% of our workforce. And we just want to have a chat to you about how you think some people are performing and, you know, where you think. I'd done a little bit of sales training flown around Australia doing some training on kind of cold calling people and, and converting people. And so it was on maternity leave that I just started writing LinkedIn profiles. I was sort of stuck at home on maternity leave, covered in baby vomit, and just started writing profiles. <laughs> and I think literally, um, and sort of figured, you know, how can I turn this into a face-to-face business? And that took me a while to figure out. But, yeah, I'm not from Sydney originally. I'm, I'm originally from Perth. So 
when I went on maternity leave, you know, I'd only been living in Sydney for 18 months. I didn't know a lot of people. So I spent a lot of time not just writing profiles, but also building my network, you know, building referral networks and, and affiliate networks, if you like. You know, who do I know who is selling to clients that I'd like to write profiles for? You know, that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah. It's interesting. Like nearly everybody that I talk to has got this, you know, and, that, and of course, people that I talk to are very, 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 very good at LinkedIn. And nearly everybody has gone, I was just in this position where I needed to grow my business and I needed to do it quickly. And LinkedIn's provided the best vehicle for me to do that. Yeah. And, and, and I, th- I think that's what you're basically saying. Yeah, I was, I was so lucky. You know, I was looking at websites and, you know, we're going back so long now, 2009 seems, you know, well, it is a couple of lifetimes away. I've had a couple of children since then and they're quite big. <laughs> One of them's almost taller than me. So, you know, so for me, if I had had a lot of money on my business, you know, I probably would have gone out and spent a lot of money on a website. But I thought, oh, I don't know, I'll just, you know, play on LinkedIn. It's no cost. Cost, you know, all it costs is time. And and I made a lot of mistakes in, in terms of networking and stuff like that. But I think as an early adopter, I've managed to watch its evolution, you know, and see why do people connect with those people and and what sort of content flies or what sort of words work and, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, no, I think when your back's against the wall, that's when it's time to pivot and change, isn't it? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that's true. And I'm interested in that sort of switch in recruiting. So when did you notice that the platform sort of changed from being really bad CVs or just a place where you held your CV and you just listed your jobs to that sort of more about people call it like a mini micro site? for yourself, you know, professionally? When, when did you think you saw that change? Well, I was really pushing that change in 2009 and I had so many people say, oh, it's just a resume and we need to write in the third person and, and talk about myself as if I'm not really myself. And so it's probably been about the last six years and I think since Microsoft bought LinkedIn, you know, they've spent a lot of money trying to push marketers to recognise LinkedIn as a B2B platform. That works really well in attracting commercial sales. And so I think that that's really helped as well. People are, have got the company buy-in. They're not like, oh, if I'm on LinkedIn, my boss will think I'm looking for a job. They're like, well, if I'm not on LinkedIn, my boss is going to give me a hard time because I have no presence yep. and I need that channel for LinkedIn. So I think it's really been since Microsoft really got behind pushing LinkedIn down the avenue, you know, just sort of supplement that that shrinking recruitment practice. You know, LinkedIn used to get a lot of its revenue from recruitment, but now a lot of it comes from B2B. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think um, there's massive upside for Microsoft in relation to the data management and the CRM component. I do feel like LinkedIn's letting itself down in that it could be a better CRM. It could be, a, you know, it could really make it easy for small and medium businesses to not have to leave this, you know, LinkedIn at all. I just don't know why they haven't quite got there. Somebody smarter than me will know the answer to that. But it just feels to me like as a small business owner, I could just about live on LinkedIn if it was had some CRM functionality. And you see some of those automation tools of, you know, that we shouldn't use that have got a CRM automation involved. So it can't be too difficult. If they can do it, LinkedIn can do it. Yeah, anyway. absolutely. But that automation thing, you know, that's so interesting. It is in breach of um, LinkedIn's terms and it can result in people having their account shut down. So, mm. yeah, they really do need to fill in that gap. They do. Yeah. So I'm actually doing a bunch of research that's 
going to be one of my future topics, mm. automation and technology. But anyway, we're talking to a profile expert, Karen. So why is having a great profile important? And of course, I've got some feelings about that, but let's hear from you. And what are some of the things that we should not be doing and, and some of the things that we should be doing? Would you mind sharing some stuff? Well, I'm actually going to go back to an episode that you did with uh, Dan Disney. And I love Dan Disney's comment. If you don't have a great profile, you've got a bucket full of holes. <laughs> he did. And I was like, yes, yes, it is. You know, they just absolutely nailed it. So many people spend a lot of time, particularly salespeople who have that real bias for action, trying to develop outreach programs and how do I do this and how do I do that and what about this and what about that. But that foundational LinkedIn profile, you know, that's what people look at. That's if and how they remember you. So I think it always comes back to the if and how. We each think we're far more memorable than we really are. But, you know, as a salesperson, how, how do you stand out? How do you differentiate? You know, when they're looking at your profile, is it converting them? So, so to me, that's why, yeah, it, it's just so important. And I think Dan captured that perfectly. Bucket full of holes if you don't have a great profile. Yeah. I've seen you talk about the 83% statistic in some other bits and pieces. Do you want to share a little bit around that? Yeah, that's a Salesforce statistic. So um, Salesforce have an article that is about, I'm going to guess better, about 14 months old now, which said that 83% of people look at your LinkedIn profile before deciding, before making a buying decision, are they going to meet with you, uh, meet with the salesperson? And so 83%. So it's just so foundational to get that LinkedIn profile right, to make sure that, you know, it really is talking about your customers' problems. I think a lot of salespeople can write their LinkedIn profile as if it's a vanity exercise. How do I want to be seen by me? Yeah. Yeah. And actually, they do, you know, and they're talking about sales and Dan touched on something about the President's Club, you know, people talk about it. And actually that's missing the whole point. It, it's not about you. It's about what do your audience want to see. So, you know, making your client, your customer, the hero, and you the trusted guide. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's very hard. Well, I know for a fact, it's very hard to write, you know, write your own profile, write information about yourself. It's incredibly difficult to remove yourself enough to be subjective and provide information that's going to be valuable for your clients when you're writing it about yourself, it's really hard. It feels like you're boasting. It feels like you're leaving things out. You're not really sure how it's going to come across. It's fraught with danger. Yeah, that boasting is a really interesting one. I think a lot of us feel like we need to use lots of adjectives. You know, we need to talk about how we're unique and extraordinary. And I think adjectives, just people use way too many describing words in their about section. It shouldn't be about boasting. So I think when we put ourselves in the shoes of our customers, like you would when you're doing a pitch, like you would when a customer says, you know, oh, tell me about this, you know. So you're always asking the right questions and, you know, what are your customers' problems and then talking to those problems. So I think if we start with our mind from our customer's point of view, you know, what are their problems? And get a pen and paper out. You know, what are all of our customers' problems? Let's just mind map those. And then start from there. How do you solve those problems? So sort of using a formula of who do I help, how do I help, and what's the result? And weaving those three things all through your profile. Hey, let's take a quick break and take care of a little bit of business. We'll be right back. If you need more conversations with your ideal buyers or to simply sharpen your prospecting skills, check out Mark's latest book, 
Tactical Pipeline Growth. It's a complete prospecting guide. It outlines step-by-step the process to build a strong and healthy pipeline. Mark has included a huge amount of valuable sales material, such as templates, call and email scripts, the best cadence plans, as well as social selling templates for you to use and start prospecting straight away. Tactical Pipeline Growth is available from Amazon or directly from www.markmc.co slash tpg. Okay, let's get back into the podcast. Do you have any data in relation to how long people take to make decisions, you know, when they look at your profile and, and where they spend their time? Yeah, that's a great question. Mark Schaefer wrote a book that talked about influence and <laughs> it's, it's not a very um, great statistic, I'm afraid. Two and a half years, he reckons. Two and a half years to really leverage to the point where everybody's seeing it as a thought leader and wants to do business with you, Um, which doesn't quite answer your question. Your question was, you know, what's the time difference between buying? And sometimes people are early in their buying journey. Sometimes I'll see your profile, answers all my questions. Great. I want to buy right now. Other people, you know, I, I had a client reach out recently and I'm working on her profile. She and I met in 2015. <laughs> no, she doesn't even remember meeting me, but she's seen my content. She's seen me repeatedly pop up on LinkedIn. And so she was like, I need my profile written. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I remember meeting you and thinking I'd love to write your profile. She was like, oh, did we meet? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's years ago. So I think it depends on where they're in in their buying journey. And what are those statistics? You know, they say sort of only 3% of the market are ready to buy now, isn't it? 3% and 7% uh, know they have a problem, but they're still researching a solution and 30% know they have a problem, but it's not a priority. And, you know, some of them don't have a problem yet. So I think it depends on where they are in that journey. Yeah. What about the way people read profiles? Do you know how long, is there any data available? And and I know I'm asking these questions without any notice, Karen, so good on you. I knew you would ask me, Mark. I knew you would ask me. I'm like, do you think it's 3%? I'm like, I know it's 3%. I've written it down because I knew you would ask me. <laughs> uh, sorry, what was your question? If someone looks at your profile, do we know how long they look at your profile for and, and what areas of your profile they spend most time on? Like, Is there any data available around that? I know there was some data about 10 years ago talking about heat maps, for example. Is there anything new? No, I haven't seen anything like that, but we do need to keep in mind how LinkedIn is used. And so when we look at what people remember the most, your professional headline, the bit that sits underneath your name, which if you haven't changed it is just your position title, that is so, so, so visible. It used to be 120 characters. It's now expanded to 220. And the reason why that's visible, I unfortunately haven't got data or heat maps, but what we do know is that piece follows you around every time you comment on something. Every time you interact with somebody, they see your face, they see your headline. Yep. So that's a critical piece to get right. So what would be some guidelines that you provide people in relation to getting that headline right? Do you have a little formula or something like that to help Yeah, again, it's the who do you help, how do you help, and what's the result? And playing with those three, you know, who do I serve, you know, how do you help, and and what's the result? And playing with those so that you're mixing 
the order so it sounds right. And by sounding right, I'm really looking for alliteration. So have I can I use two words that start with the same letter? Or can I, you know, does it just roll off the tongue? So so a client I've got at the moment actually, who's a, a lawyer who, whose profile I finished, we wrote helping recruitment agencies become unstoppable by making legal stress-free and uncomplicated without costing the earth. So you're talking about who you serve. He serves recruitment agencies. What does he do? He makes them unstoppable. How does he do that? By making legal stress-free and uncomplicated and it doesn't cost the earth. So looking at those three, who do you help, how do you help, what's the result, and just switching it around. Yeah, good tips there. I found I was actually connected to a gentleman this morning from the US, uh, from Pennsylvania, and I just want to share his headline because I think it was, was really clever. And so his name's Vinny, and I've sent him a message this morning congratulating him on his headline. And his headline is Paper Jam Storyteller, Toner Spill Counselor, Black Belt in Control Plus P. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so he's clearly, he's a, you know, photocopy guy. You know, he Absolutely. Helps people. And he does yeah. the service, <laughs> not just self your photocopier, but it's all about the service, making sure there's no spills. So really yep. strong visual words are really, really, really great. And you're trying to keep it as simple as possible. You know, and removing all those adjectives, no extraordinary, no unique. And please don't talk about being a salesperson. The moment you're having your set headline, you know, business development sales, you're instantly flagging what you do. And so I think we're so attuned now to just switching off to just, you know, I'm being sold to, well, you know, as opposed to I have a problem, where's my solution? Everybody's looking. Yeah. yeah, And what I love about LinkedIn is that they're already in that mindset. You know, they're not on Facebook sort of trying to connect with their friends and, and thinking about leisure time. They're already thinking about their work problems. So if you can talk about their work problems and how you solve them, you know, they're, they're already there. They're already in that mindset. Yeah. If I see one more sales manager with a headline, you know, building high-performing sales teams, I'm going to scream. Yeah. So what other sort of tactical – so that's the headline. What else so should we be looking at? Should we be looking at profile pictures? I mean, have you got uh, some tips? Some, yeah. Some strong stuff around there to help us out? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. Again, this is so foundational and it might seem obvious and people are like, I don't need to know about it a profile photo that so many people, especially salespeople, will have a profile photo that is a, a torso and their face. So it's their, you know, almost a half body or a whole body shot. Yep. And we have to remember human science. We trust people when we can look in their eyes. So don't show me a picture when your eyes are just so tiny. I can't look in them. And, and don't be at a wedding wearing sunglasses. And not mirrored sunglasses, <laughs> you know. It, it, how, you've seen some, right? You know, oh, yeah, yeah. We're trying to build trust here. So it's not about looking really handsome. It's about looking approachable, like somebody can trust you, you know, and, and having that really close-up headshot. You can look in their eyes. So make sure that the cameras, you're actually looking in the camera's eyes. You don't want to be looking over your shoulder or, turning away or, you know, something like that. You want to actually be looking at the person directly. Chin down is really important and that might sound strange. A lot of people put their chin up when they're about to have their photo taken and for a woman that can look like they're looking down their nose at you. From a man that looks like they're about to enter a boxing ring, you know, like I'm, I'm going to take you on. You know, you want to have that chin down so you're sort of leaning in to listen to your prospect. I love this. I mean, this is a really good tip and I think this is – 
very underrated. Very, yeah. People are like, oh, I don't need to think about a photo. And I'm like, yes, because it's how you make your prospects feel. Karen, I don't have $200 to go and get a professional to take my photo. What should I do instead? Great, absolutely. Take a headshot at home. It doesn't matter about the background. You can use an app called remove.bg. And, you know, if you've got a really ugly brick wall behind you, it'll remove all of that and it will change the colour of that background to match whatever you want. Make sure that you're looking in the camera. So you've got to have a light behind the camera shining into your eyes. So you want to light up your eyes. You want to have a slight smile or a big smile. Either one is fine. Slight um, your chin down and a slight head tilt will make you look just that little bit more empathetic which might not be appropriate depending on the type of sales you're doing. So think about what are the products you're selling, how empathetic do you need to appear. Yeah. People might think that we're getting a bit nitpicky here. Make sure your head's down, no background. But my experience says, and I'm, I'm looking for some support here, Karen, uh, you know, my experience says that people make a decision whether they're going to trust you or engage with you extremely quickly on social media. If I can't see your eyes, if I can't see your face, if you're there with your partner and you can't figure out exactly what it is that you do or how you and I might be connected, then it's really easy to just ignore that connection request or ignore your message. So I I think these little things that you're sharing with us, whilst they're little, they're actually very significant. Yeah, because it's all those little bits that make a whole. And I think, you know, we have to remember humans are hardwired to look for patterns. So if they are reading a headline that talks about them being an extraordinary leader of sales teams. And then you've got a photo of you wearing mirrored sunglasses with a carnation in your buttonhole. And then they're reading the about section and it's all in the third person. So you're talking about yourself like you're not yourself, like you're too important to connect with somebody directly and they need to connect with your secretary. It feels very disconnected. They're not going to feel warm. So it's about connecting all of those dots. So they are small details, but the small details create the feeling of the whole. Nice. Good stuff. So is there anything else on your profile picture or should we go somewhere else? Yeah, I think we can go somewhere else. (laughs) Where's next? You're the superstar? That about section. Make sure you have one. Some people don't even have an about section. So how do we get one if we don't have one? You click on uh, add new profile section. Yep, perfect. Which is just on the uh, right-hand side. And you'll have two buttons there and just click on add new profile section and it's either add about or add summary. In some parts of LinkedIn, it's called about. In other parts, it's called summary. Uh, It used to be called a summary, but they've changed it to about. And I think, I mean, I'm a bit obsessed with words, but the fact that they've called it an about, this is about who you are and it's about the problems you solve. It's not a summary of every single job you've ever done. Right. So, you know, so I really love, Again, it's talking to the customer's problems. It's talking to how you solve those problems. And critically, it's talking about why you're interested in those problems. If you're selling a software as a service, you know, what interests you about that? Or why that? You know, if you're selling people, if you're a recruiter, you know, why that? You know, what is it that interests you about your space? And I think you need to be very genuine. You know, you need to show that authentic interest. You know, I use my accountant because my accountant is really interested in tax. Lovely guy. But, you know, Adrian's my accountant. It's the kind of guy who'd stay up 10, 11 o'clock at night going, oh, tax manual, must read one more page. You know, so that's not my interest, but I love that it's his interest. 
Yep. It sounds like we have the same tax accountant because mine's also named Adrian and he also loves tax. So <laughs> wouldn't that be ironic? So I often get a bit of pushback when I ask people to put their contact details inside this part of their profile. What's your theory on that? Yes, absolutely. Now, what's the statistic for you? I know who said the statistic, Rebecca Lieb. So Rebecca Lieb, L-I-E-B, wrote a book on websites about 11, 12 years ago, and it was something like 70% of websites, something like that, 70% of websites fail because people can't find the contact details. No contact details, no purchase. You know, Tim Hyde has found very similar studies as well. So he worked with a client and they had all of these, uh, I think it was what, $200,000 worth of sales sitting in shopping carts. And when they reached out and said to clients, you know, why didn't you close your shopping cart on your e-business? They said, oh, well, I just had a phone query. I just wanted to call somebody and ask about something. But it was too hard for the tech guys to put an email address and a phone number in the order form. So they didn't do it. And so I think when you look at stats like that and you think of yourself as the person who's going to sell this product or service, you're the mediator. You need to flatten the path to make it easy for customers to do business with you. Then you're not constantly relying on outreach, but people are looking at your profile and going, wow, this person is, solves all of my problems. I'm picking up the phone right now and asking how much. Yeah. I think that's important because a lot of engineers, a lot of technical people are reluctant to be contacted. So when they're building these platforms, they leave the contact details out because they're thinking like themselves, not thinking like the customer service or the sales agent. And I go so far as to say that you can prove that LinkedIn was built by engineers by the way that standard LinkedIn connection thing is worded. Yeah, absolutely. And also the fact that the connection button is so well hidden, although I think that that might actually be a um, deliberate move. And by the connection button, sorry, I'm talking about the contact information section. Yeah, right. So, so many people haven't even completed the contact info section. They have their personal email address in there and that's it. You know, so if you want to be connected to your clients, you know, you can put in there your instant messenger address. You certainly should be putting in there your website and most people don't. Um, you know, making yourself as accessible as possible by putting as much information in there and putting it in your about section. And in my headline, I've got my email address. And since I put my email address in my headline, which is coming up to close from about two years ago, massive increase in emails that come through. And yes, I do get spam, but I also get all my clients through LinkedIn. So I think, you know, spam versus, you know, receiving incoming inquiries, you know, I I know what matters the most to me. I can put up with a bit of spam and can easily filter it out. So I think it's really important to be accessible. So important. Flatten up love. Yeah. So in your own personal business, I want to explore this a little bit. Is LinkedIn your only strategy or do you have alternative inbound strategy or marketing plans as well? It is my only strategy. strategy. Actually, even went through a branding crisis last year and pulled down a website. So I don't even have a website at the moment, Mark. And I've still, you know, with all of this, you know, this thing with COVID, I've been busier than ever. And it is all through LinkedIn, all of it. Yep, that's great. That's great to hear. I completely agree. I do have a website, just to be clear. Uh, Okay, so is there anything else? You know what we've missed? What about the um, background? The background banner. So that's another place you can put contact details in there. I really like having an email in there, even if it's inquiries at. 
And again, you can have a website address in there. So 60% of click-throughs to websites come from social. So it's important to make sure that you have got everything as accessible as possible. So because customers want to do research these days, you know, they want to know who they're buying from and what they're buying. So trying to make it sort of as accessible as possible. What I really do like in background banners is also a visual of what it is you do. So if you can, and I'm not talking about collecting lots of money or whatever sales, but I'm talking about what do your customers' problems look like? So when I've been working with Sims and they do e-recycling, you know, we've got images there of, you know, a dewy leaf. So it looks all very sort of planet and sustainable, but we're also got an image of recycling in there. So, you know, what do your customers' problems look like? You know, if you're selling printers or photocopiers, have some images of photocopiers. What you don't want to have in your background banner is an image of the beat because that just tells me you want to be on holiday. Yeah. Yeah, or worse still, you know, if you're based in Sydney and you've got a picture of the San Francisco, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge, because as soon as I see that, I just assume you're in San Francisco. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, most people put the city that they're in, but I would think that it's so easy to get an image of your product. But you get an image of your product, get an image of, of something, you know, and if what you're selling is a product you can't see, like cloud technology, it is so easy on Google to get some free images of, you know, yeah. One of the best ones I've seen, and I want to share with you and uh, also the rest of the listeners, was a gentleman that I was working with was selling like payment apps, you know, like a, you know, the FPOS machine, that's the correct term, for hotels, specializing in hotels, pubs, restaurants. And he had a photo of himself in an alleyway in Sydney with all the big empty beer kegs stacked up behind him. And considering his target market was pubs and clubs, I just thought that worked really well. Yeah. But like, you know, yeah. so as soon as you saw his profile, even though you may not understand what the technology was, because, you know, these companies have got, you know, XYZ payments. Yeah. And, yeah. You, and who you're attracted to. And I've just, that stuck with me. That must have been three or four years ago. But, you know, I think that's a really terrific example. Have you got any others like that that stand out? Great example. Really great example. Um, well, I'd hope that all of the work that I, um, my team do, I've got a team of graphic designers and they design background banners. And sometimes we'll pick out keywords, you know, so what are the words that resonate with their audience? But, you know, it's so easy to just look at images of what it is you do and create some in- images around that in the dimensions. And, and ensure that it's also, um, that you're making the font big enough so that it can be read on mobile. I think that's something a lot of other people forget. Sometimes people try to cram too much in there and simple is best. Guilty myself at times, yes. Yeah, and that experience section as well, you know. Um, so we haven't touched on the experience section and I think that's also a massively underutilised area where it is so easy to pull words from your company website. You know, you don't even have to write them yourself. That talk about what the business does. What does the business do? What does that look like? Yeah, so whereas your about section is personally talking about your customers' problems and why you're interested in those problems, how you solve them or what the result is, that experience section can be written more like a website in that it's a little bit more distant. It's not talking about, you know, you're interested in technology because of this or whatever, you know, but it's telling, talking about the problems and again, having contact details in there. And if you're worried about receiving tons of spam and I wouldn't be because I think spam versus opportunities, you know, at least have info at email address. You know, you really want to be as accessible as possible. So I think that's another important space that I think people should really focus on. 
Okay. This has been good. So I like the way how we're so granular here. You know, like a lot of people would just brush over this stuff. So let's summarize for everyone. Um, and then I'll ask you a couple more questions if that's okay. So background needs to be representative of the organization that you work for or what you do. And preferably with some contact details. Yes. So, yep. So email or a website address. Yep. Um, picture, no background, you know, really just your face and the top of your shoulders, nothing further than that. Just you, no sunglasses, looking down. And we've got a tool called remove.bg to do that. I'll put that in the show notes. Yep. Headline should be who you help, how you help them, and the results that you achieve as a result. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then the about section or summary should be written in first person and it should be similar, talking about why you help people and how you help them. Have I got that right? Absolutely. Always in first person. Don't ever talk about yourself like you're not yourself. You really want to make people feel that you are likable and approachable. And then we jump down to the experience section, which is where we write a little bit more like a, a marketing speak, if you like, or a website. Absolutely. Just to get a little bit more granular again. Yep. Um, so with that about section, Another thing that I'd think about doing in that section particularly, because the experience section can literally be a cut and paste from the website and then you give that to everybody who works in your organisation. Okay. You also give everybody who works in your organisation access to the background banner. I designed this for our company because we don't have one. You guys could all have it. And then that increases brand footprint. But with that about section, I think it's really important to use strong words and keeping in mind what your customers want and putting yourself in your customer's shoes making sure you've got really strong words that talk about what it is you do. And so by strong words, I'm thinking about not having words like responsible for or ability to. You know, whenever I see ability to, oh, it's a bit cheeky, but... Um, <laughs> I, I, I may not have. I've <laughs> <laughs> ability to, yeah. I always say, I always say, I know my husband has an ability to unpack the dishwasher. Like, I know. I know the dear man is able to do it. I know he is. You, know, you get what I'm saying, right? Yep. Just because you have an ability to do it doesn't mean you do it. Yep. So what we really want to have is words that make us feel, from our customer's perspective, like we are a safe pair of hands. So delivered, built, grew, identified, enhanced, collaborated, you know, re- negotiated, aligned, yep. drove, really strong action words. You know, Karen, I think it'd be worthwhile if you're open to it to get you back and go even deeper and, and sort of explain how some of these words work and they're, why they're more influential than others, what mm. we should do and we, what we couldn't do. That might be a bit of a nerdy, super nerdy topic for, <laughs> for people like you. That's like my favourite topic, the psychology of why some people work and others don't. So I've got a couple of questions that will close this out for everybody. So the question I ask everybody is LinkedIn in particular, social media, you know, finding opportunities on LinkedIn. Do you think we've seen the best of times or is it getting better? Is there more blue sky ahead? What are your thoughts? I try not to use words like better um, <laughs> <laughs> because I think it is what it is. You know, yeah. you are, and I, I, yeah, I quite like the olden days when, you know, there were just only articles and there were no videos. And, and that was really great for me because I'm a writer. So I really stood out, you know, because I, I could write really great content and nobody else was writing. Now we've got video and you've got some incredibly great people. You know, salespeople are always great at a video, even if they think they're not, they are always amazing because, you know, they've got that charisma, they know how to present, just takes a bit of practice session. So I think, what we have now and what we will have in the future is just lower barriers to entry. Yep. 
So with that might come some stuff that you don't like seeing. So it's really important while you're on the newsfeed to click on those three buttons, uh, three dots on the on the right-hand side of each piece of content. If you don't like it, click on those three dots and click unfollow. So you don't keep seeing that stuff in your newsfeed. It's not going to disconnect you from anybody. It's not going to block anybody. You'll still remain connected, but you're not going to keep having that stuff in your newsfeed. Yeah, great. Yeah, so I, th- I think it's just about lower barriers to entry, and I think we're just going to see increasing lower barriers to entry. And to get a little bit granular on that, how exciting are stories? Are you using stories for sales at all yet? Stories for sales? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I do have it, um, but I haven't. I mean, I don't use stories on Instagram either. Not that I'm big on Instagram. but <laughs> I don't even have an Instagram account. <laughs> I'm really excited about stories. So I've done like two stories. I'm not excited for myself about stories, and I don't think that behind the scenes with LinkedIn profile <laughs> is really that compelling. I mean, it is to me, but not to anybody else. But I think this has fantastic potential for sales, particularly for those organizations that are confined around TGA guidelines. Yeah, all those pharmaceutical companies, all those medical companies that cannot talk about products on the internet because it's in breach of all of those guidelines. You can create a story because stories, the, the new feature, that only goes out to people who are in your network or following you. So it's like an email, really. Okay, that's great. So it can't go any more viral. It can't leak out, so to speak. No. No, it can't. It, it, it falls under the same guidelines as emails do. And how long do they hang around for? Do they last very long? Because I know with Instagram, if you go back... Oh, and- wow. Right, okay, so yeah, really short. Really, really short. All right, we should figure out a way to use that more effectively. Mm. That'll be good. We've got a bunch of people listening to this, and thank you listeners for listening. What would be their one takeaway from listening to Karen? What, what would be the single most powerful message that you could give people listening to this podcast? Talk about your customers' problems. It's not about you. It's all about them. You want to be the Yoda to their Skywalker. Love it. That's fantastic. That's a great takeaway. All right, Karen. So my guess is you'd be interested in getting in contact with people, particularly people who might need a hand with their profile, that sort of thing. What's the best way for people to be able to do that? On LinkedIn. No, you don't find me on anywhere else. I keep thinking I must get onto Twitter. So Twitter's sort of been on my agenda for about 18 months. I really I think Twitter's interesting. But absolutely, look me up on um, on LinkedIn. Please do note, I've just got the weirdest spelling of my last name. So last name is T-I-S-D-E-L-L. But please look me up, Karen Tisdell. Great stuff, Karen. Karen, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. I think we'll need to get you back to do that deeper dive into the linguistics that we need to place on our profile. But thank you very much. Linguistic psychology of selling, I'm there. Fantastic. Thank you very much. It's just, you know, this is the greatest hour of my week. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks, Karen. Thanks a lot. Please help others just like you find this podcast by spreading the word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate us wherever you source your podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Boss Podcast. Join us next time for even more tactics, discussion, and ideas to help you improve your social outreach.